When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked, and I'm tonight I am joined by Craig Fowler. I just about managed to get that sentence out. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> no, you, you done fine. You, you, you done fine, Joel. Yeah, you're uh, a natural host. He says, lying. Yes, lying for your teeth because that is <laughs> ludicrous to even uh, even joke about that. So we were we, the plan was as we have convened over the last three or four weeks to do a top 12, but just because of time and uh, due to work, not being able to get sort of the research for the, the top 12 wingers. So we're, we're going to post that, uh, we're going to do that another day. Yes. And instead we are just going to talk about the, basically kind of the last few days in Scottish football. So we've had a couple of things happen today and of course league reconstruction. So that task force met for the first time on Monday. They're going to meet again on uh, tomorrow, which will be Friday. But uh, before we get into, uh, get into that, just how are you doing? How are you, how are you feeling at the moment? It's uh, just in general and also with no football. Um, I'm, I'm pretty decent at the moment. I, I should probably drink less and exercise more, take advantage of the, the time we're allowed to go out during the day. What tends to happen is that I'll do one sort of exercise and then I will then lie to myself that that then allows me to, I don't know, drink two bottles of wine at night or something like that. <laughs> so that's uh, so I had, well, I shared two bottles uh, with my wife yesterday, uh, but also had several vodkas. Uh, and this was after a 21-kilometer cycle. So... Pretty much ruined that. So I think you, I don't know, you burn off 600 calories for that. I think, yeah, definitely 
drank more than 600 calories last night. So that's that's one thing I should uh, be aiming to do better. Uh, obviously, not right now, as you can maybe see, I've got a glass of red wine beside me. <laughs> we're, we're yes, I see. We, we had a view from the terrace Zoom call and I noticed the, the glass of red and I noticed your uh, can of tenets on the podcast last night we recorded with uh, Robert Borfwick. Yes, that is uh, also... So, I think a lot of fellas enjoying his uh, his lockdown very much. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, um, I've quite enjoyed it today. I was out in the balcony for about three hours, just working from outside. Uh, luckily, you know, it wasn't too bright that I couldn't see the screen on my laptop, and it was just kind of a nice enough temperature to be comfortable, uh, not too hot, not too cold. So that was good. I, I've said before, I quite enjoy just the relaxing nature of the lockdown. Obviously, you do kind of miss human interaction. Human interaction. So, like, like last night, uh, my mum contacted us via FaceTime. So, her and her partner and us two, we kind of were just chatting on that, and then we were like drinking on that, and then it ended up like I was on the FaceTime call with them for something like at least five hours because <laughs> it's just like actually just getting to speak to somebody else uh, and. Even if it's like over Zoom or over whatever, it's you kind of do miss that human interaction, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's you kind of missing seeing people in the flesh as well, uh, with the exception of the person that you're, you know, stuck in isolation with. Uh, but it's not that's not good too bad. I've I've read the stories about couples uh, tension being ratcheted up, and you can I mean you can understand exactly why, but it's actually been not too bad for us. Uh, which is pretty impressive because it's two people that managed to annoy each other quite a lot. But okay, I think it helps that we just got married as well. So it's that, it's that time where you you remember, you, you've recently been remembered of why you love them. And uh, you, so you, it's easier to forget all the stuff that drive you nuts. <laughs> How about yourself? How's, uh, how's lockdown doing for you? Yeah, so, so sorry, I was, I was kind of, um, I was listening to what you're saying about uh, your interactions. I'm genuinely happy not seeing people, not having to go, <laughs> having, not having to go in the office because I just even when I'm working in the, in the office, so uh, I would just sit with my earphones in. So I'm just yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go in the office at all. I don't want this when they're talking about like relaxing stuff as well. I'm thinking, please don't relax like like workers and stuff. Say if it's not essential that you can still work from home. Yeah, I mean, like, that... I, I want to work from home for the rest of time now. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's I, I'm very comfortable working from home. I think it's it offers a better work life balance because what the, the, the kind of reason I've not been missing football too much is because uh, work has just been so uh, so crazy. I've like the last couple of weeks I found myself working at least an extra hour every day, and it's because there's been so much uh, like kind of non football football stuff. So you've got like the stuff we're about to come on and talk about because it's just uh, there's just been so many different angles and avenues that have been discussed. It's like when you're finished, you're kind of thank goodness I don't really need to to, to bother about about football. But but taking out the uh, like um, the commute and not having to watch like football for the podcast or the, uh, the, the, the TV show and you don't feel guilty about not watching three or four uh, matches over the weekend or per week it does allow you to just go out and have a walk uh, which is which is nice and just uh, kind of just uh, switch off so I think um, I think what this has pro- uh, proven is that a lot of companies can uh, can a lot of the employees can do their job from uh, from home, so even if it gives them that option to be to be more comfortable, but no, I think I'm, I'm again 
like as I've said a couple of times, the the social aspect of football uh, is uh, is something I miss, and also like covering games, even though it's work. I've always really liked covering. Uh, they were the best the best parts of the week in terms of uh, in terms of job, but uh, all in all, I've I've got very little to complain about. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to even think if it's anything that it's, yeah, the exception of like maybe my fitness, because it is kind of hard. I do find it hard sometimes to push yourself out of the house. So I've done the, I've done the thing where I posted this on Instagram where I've done the, I've done a 5K in five consecutive days, but then mm-hmm. uh, I had a bit of a heavy weekend. I, I couldn't do much the next week. And when I went back to the week after, uh, when I'd done my first run, my back was just absolutely killing me. So I've been too scared to kind of give it a go since then. I've been doing the bike, but obviously, not quite the same. Like I can, I can get a good, healthy amount of exercise done in a five k in twenty five to thirty minutes tops. Whereas to get that same uh, on a bike, you have to go for like over an hour, and it's just not. I mean, there's some parts of it that are alright. I mean, you're obviously more kind of. It's not as intense, so you can be more kind of relaxed and you know listen to a podcast or whatever, when, and just kind of focus on that and kind of take your mind off of what you're doing, which I think is a bit harder when you're running because after, you know, even like after ten minutes or whatever, if you try to keep up a decent pace, you'll, you'll start yeah. to become aware of how knackered you're starting to feel and how you're having to push through it, and that's the kind of thing that dominates your mind. And it's just not quite the same in a bike, and also it takes up more time of the day, and because we're doing so many podcasts and stuff. And I've still like got like the quiz with my mates at like weekend in FIFA tournaments. I don't have as much, quite as much spare time as I would have thought uh, through no, all this. Also, I'm, I'm still working as well. Yeah, so that, that's what I'm kind of envious of, of, of folk that that aren't so uh, who read read them loads of books, watching movies like uh, Telford series, watch 58 movies on lockdown. It's <laughs> uh, like stuff like that. I'm, I'm really reticent to take a holiday. But I think it would be, it'd be quite nice to have like a few days of just literally just sitting in front of the uh, front of the TV. But then when it's really nice, typical lockdown, it's nice outside. But it's nice outside. You're like, I don't want to be sat sat in the house like because of that taking advantage of that ability to get outside. But anyway, anyway, we 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 we've, we've talked long enough. Let's actually do the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, so, so there's two. There's one big bit of news today and a second which was kind of talked about on, on Monday. So we'll start with that. And that's that's Nicola Sturgeon. She reiterated that, what she said on Monday, about there being no public events or mass gatherings basically for um, for the coming months. The, the, the Scottish government have released or unveiled their kind of exit strategy or... I've got kind of want to use that in loose terms because they're not giving really any specific dates because of the there's there's still not a lot of knowledge about this virus how to come how to deal with it the, the concern about a second wave so there's a lot of caution and I think no one I don't think anyone in the Scottish government wants to put time scales on it because then people will look forward to that time scale and stuff has changed so she basically said that there's no going to be any mass gathering, there's not going to be any mass gatherings or, um, or or public events for uh, for the next certainly the next uh, few months, which then ties in with the UEFA executive com- committee today. They met earlier on the week to discuss plans going forward in the uh, for the summer. Their preference, as they said earlier in the week, their strong uh, strong recommendation was for leagues to finish. However. 
they have come back and said that following discussions with league associations that they still prefer leagues to be concluded in the next couple of months, even if that includes a different format. So you're looking maybe at like playoffs, many kind of mini leagues. But if that can't happen, so they've they've kind of pinpointed two areas where if the the basically the government intervene and make it difficult for football to go ahead, or if there's economic reasons for it and that kind of not concluding the season now will have a effect on the, the league itself or clubs, which then they say it's over to the national associations and the leagues to decide how best to, to, to conclude, the, uh, conclude the, the season. So there's not definite clarity. So there's, there's like, again, similar to what Nicholas Sturgeon is, there's not definite, um, kind of definite answers but it's provided a bit more clarity. So all in all, it does look like that the SPFL's resolution, which they passed to terminate the championship, the League One, League Two, will come into effect with the uh, with the Premiership most likely in probably the next few weeks. I'm I'm sure the government, Scottish government, and the governing body, so SPFL and Scottish FA, are going to be in talks about potentially whether they can play behind closed doors or they can, or basically if the government is saying, no, you can't, you just can't play football. So it does seem like it's been a step closer to concluding the Premiership. Yes, because you say like, I mean, they want to get the season finished. They might talk about behind closed doors, but Britain's still, you know, one of the kind of worst hit places in Europe, if not the world from the coronavirus. And, it's shown in recent weeks that it's not un, unbeatable. We have, I think, uh, I didn't see the, the report for today, but I'm pretty sure the last three days before then, cases were down and deaths were down each day. So it shows that the measures that have been brought in have been taken effect, but they are, you know, fairly extreme measures to kind of shut down, you know, every sort of public gathering going, even forbid, you know, families to see each other if they don't live in the same household. And it, it shows that there's light at the end of the tunnel, but that we obviously know how quickly this thing completely got out of hand, where the the government was a little bit complacent to start with or on the threat or, of, of how to deal with this. And that's, that led to, well, it's, it's helped lead to the death of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And I think that you're seeing for a lot of the talk that social distancing may last for a, a year well, at least to the end of the 2020, is because they can't take that that risk again. That goes for the UK and the Scottish government as well. And as for closed doors, I mean, I think obviously they'll, they'll want to get the games played. They'll want the money for Sky. Um, although I do wonder, like players get bonuses based on playing games. I wonder how much how much uh, like uh, money clubs would actually make from just playing, being able to honour Sky contracts as opposed to because closed doors obviously you're not getting any money for people coming through the gates and if players are still getting bonuses like win bonuses goal bonuses uh, appearance bonuses we obviously I mean it's different for England England gets so much money for Sky that it's fine that that will offset a lot of what they are you know paying out to, to players but with Scottish football we know that that wage budgets for each club are made up so much of people coming through the gate so I even wonder how much it would help clubs in in total anyway and if you think about a closed doors game so, it's 11, it's 11 a side. 
uh, players on each team. There's seven subs on each team. So that's 36 people already. You've then got managers, assistants, first team coaches. Maybe you could leave out the first team coaches. We've got likely a manager, assistant, and a physio, a, a doctor maybe. So that's still, so what's that, 44 people, referees, three, four referees, 48. You're going to have to have another couple of people there. Do you have media in it? If you've got to have cameras, you've got to have, you know, people working for Sky. To, so you've got, like, say, the game's broadcast live, Sky Sports. Let's say, at the very least, you could get away with three cameras. That's another three people. You have people running it behind the scenes. That's another, I don't know, six, seven, eight. Pundits, you know, in the studio, another three. I mean, you're talking well over fifty people here for a closed door game that's going to be shown on television. Are we? Oh. Are we? Are we in a? Are we in a state where we can do that yet? So, just to you, you mentioned about the amount of people who who are going to be involved in a game going ahead. Mark Ogden for ESPN, he wrote a story earlier this week. I think it might have been yesterday, where he's he obviously he spoke to someone. At a senior figure at a leading English football league club, and they estimated that to for a game to go ahead, there need to be 150 to 200 people there. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's again, and within that, they're all going to be in quite quite close proximity. The closed closed door games, I think it's 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 quite a easy thing to to suggest, but the the logistics involved in uh, the logistics involved in prolonging the season, so because you have to go in to look at contracts, uh, a lot there's over a hundred players in uh, the Scottish Premiership alone who are out of contract at the end of next month. Then the as I seen someone mentioned on Twitter today where they go right, so you can uh, you can you can give fans the option to buy the uh, to to watch uh, to pay money to watch it online. But as you said, is that that's still not going to cover that revenue for gate receipts because, like f- friends or family, so f- uh, like families uh, who three or four go together, all they need to do is buy one pass and they can watch it together. So it, it, it's down. So there's 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 a lot of just different factors of the of playing behind closed doors. I mean Aberdeen, they came out earlier to something the BBC reported they came out as a yes again yesterday or Tuesday where they want the SBA they brought to the SBFL, the Scottish FA and the eleven premiership clubs, asking them to delay the ending of the of the season just to to, to explore all the different avenues. But I just I just don't see how the closed door games will go ahead like in the next couple of months, just because the interim Scottish uh, Chief Medical Officer, he warned against it because, he, again, he's, he reckons that playing uh, behind closed doors, we'll see, and if, if, it, if you can watch it, we'll see fans come together to watch it, whether it's, uh, uh, however they may, they may do that. And also the, the strain on the, the health services, the emergency services, that, that's, that's still uh, a concern. Cause, so I, I can't see how that's going to happen anytime soon, but it's one of these things where I, I kind of just, I just want them to to make a deci- to make a decision on the premiership, so everyone can kind of start looking looking ahead. But I can, I can see why, like Aberdeen, they want to to wait and see. We've got all this time because football there's a chance it might come back to August September. But ending it now and looking ahead to next season will allow you to put in place how to deal 
like when football can come back, can it be played behind closed doors? If it can be played behind closed doors, how is that going to uh, how is that going to work uh, for fans to be able to see that? And then they're looking to player contracts so they can actually, uh, clubs can start budgeting for next season. Because if you look at next season, a lot of uh, Hamilton have came out and said it that they're going to be running with quite a at this moment in time. Like a, a squad of 13, 14 first team uh, kind of uh, first team players, and it's just going to be supplemented by 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 youth players. So there's there's all these different factors in it, and I don't know if it's maybe because I'm having to work uh, do stuff on it every day, uh, and it's just starting to to drain me. But it would it'd be nice. To, I think it would be nice to have a bit of clarity and just kind of put uh um just kind of underline it. However. <laughs> Okay, then there's, sorry, just expanding your point uh, about like clubs having to like if it bypasses the summer and players get out of go out of contract and clubs. I would reckon a lot of clubs would want to release a lot of these players to ease mm-hmm. the financial burden because they don't have to pay them anymore. But then, so everybody talks about wanting the season finished for the sake of sporting integrity. For a, and uh, you can see why, especially when there's. I mean, the title's pretty much all at one. I mean, Rangers Rangers can tell themselves that they've still got a chance of, you know, beating uh, <laughs> beating Celtic twice and, and getting snookers and stuff to, to still win the title. But that's pretty much done. But the there is the, the relegation uh, for the top flight, which, I mean, I've just dismissed Rangers' case. But, I mean, I think it is fair to say that Hearts have more of a case to argue with. That oh, absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're being unfairly treated because of this. But at the same time, I mean... Is it really going to stick to the sporting integrity if we wait until July or August, play everything behind closed doors to finish off the season and Hearts have a different squad than the one, uh, Aki's have a different squad, Aberdeen have a different squad. Like Aberdeen are going for a battle with Motherwell, for instance. Aberdeen have only four players out of contract in the summer. None of them are first-team starters. And Motherwell have, I don't know off the top of my head exactly who it is, but it's a lot of players and more important players to their team than Aberdeen's are to them. So if they come back, Motherwell had to release these players because they have, because of financial worries. Mm. And is that protecting the sport integrity of the league where you've had from game day 29 to game day 30, I think it is, uh, squads are entirely different and they have to put in completely new teams and have to play so many youngsters just to, because they don't have the money to, to bring in reinforcements and because they're only bringing in players for, you know, eight games or whatever. I mean, that doesn't exactly benefit Sporting... That doesn't exactly adhere to Sporting Integrity either, does it? No, that's, that's a good point, because uh, people would come back and say, well, Scotland's squad... Uh, squads in Scottish Premiership or Scottish Leagues, but because it's only Scottish Premiership we're talking about, that they, they, they change drastically in January, so what's the difference? But I think you... You explained it quite well in the fact that because of the money issues, Motherwell got a lot of players out of contract, and a lot of Hamilton as well have a lot of players out of contract. So they are kind of caught between um, a rock and a hard place. That do we try and extend these deals to push on to finish third, or take the safer option, release them, and almost uh, kind of settle settle for fourth? And it's it's one of those where. I hear so like there's so many de- like different different opinions on it, and it seems it's the same with Lincoln reconstruction, which we're going to come and talk uh, come on to talk about soon. And I, I see merit in a lot of things, and it's just it's I do have empathy or sorry sympathy for those at the top making uh, those decisions. Obviously, it's been talked about in the podcast before about how 
how they come to make the the decision over SPFL resolution. It was it was farcical, but I do think it was out of um, not malice, but just kind of looking, trying to look after the look, kind of look after the clubs. Yeah, and talking about farcical, they could let themselves up for an even more farcical situation if they try and push forward with a, a finale to the Premiership season behind closed doors later in the year, July, August, whenever. And as soon as one player gets tested positive, the whole thing will have to shut down again. And that'll be even... That'll be even As much as a joke of the whole resolution ended up being with the vote and you know releasing the votes early and Dundee changing their mind and uh, SPFL claiming they didn't get an email, uh, didn't arrive, presumably didn't check their junk folder... Uh, but if they if they try and push ahead, especially with the government saying like we don't want you to do this, and then you know the worst case happens and somebody tests positive amongst the players, that will be it. They'll, they'll just have to stop it again. And you, is that really a chance that's worth taking? Yeah. So I, that that's that's a big thing is that the way that the UEFA came out and uh, UEFA came out and said it. So I'll just I'll bear with me two seconds. I've got the article here and it the the wording of it. Because Belgium and Scotland, they I think they uh, produced a, um, they they produced an argument for finishing the season early. So basically, UEFA said legitimate reasons to prematurely terminate, and one of those is an official order prohibiting sports events. It goes back to what Sturd, uh, Nicola Sturgeon said that it's uh, it, they're going to be banned. So again, behind closed doors. But I think what the I think what the SPFL and Scottish FA would would really like is for the uh, Scottish government to come yeah. out and basically plainly say you can't play football, even if it's behind cl- uh, closed doors. You can't play football. So basically, so it takes it takes some of the the pressure away from the Premiership and allows them to draw a line under that. But then also actually makes it difficult looking uh, looking further ahead. But I think at the moment, SPFL and Scottish FA are just looking certainly short term to, to to end this. I suppose it's probably best to move on to the talk of reconstruction. We uh, we don't always talked about it too much on uh, on the podcast, just just in general, uh, because it's it's something that always gets uh, brought up and talked about in, in in Scottish football from time to time. The task force led by this 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 bamboozled me when I read well, did not bamboozle me. It just made me <laughs> laugh a lot when it got announced that Anne Budge. Uh, the cha- chairman of the team bottom of the league and probably best uh, place to benefit from any league reconstruction and Hamilton Athletic uh, chair or vice chair Les Gray. Uh, so the, the the two the two teams at the bottom of the Scottish Premiership leading this uh, charge for league reconstruction. Uh, there was certainly eyebrows raised for having them lead this lead this task force, but they've met and. There's been a lot of talk about a temporary uh, or fixed solution, uh, kind of solution to it. I think if anything that happens, if reconstruction does go ahead, it has to be a permanent, a permanent switch rather than than a fixed one. Uh, sorry, a permanent one rather than a temporary one, because it would just again feed into the farcical nature of it. So, oh, we'll play, uh, have a uh, league of fourteen, and then go back to twelve. I think now is the time where it's um, f- for the the clubs to actually look at the the possible options and decide which one's the best option to go ahead so we're not having to chop and change uh, chop and change divisions and numbers uh, every 
10, 12, 15 years. I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't mind them bringing it in for one season uh, because it is just really kind of extenuating circumstances. This is something that nobody saw coming that's very unlikely, I would think, to, to happen again in the next, you know, at least 50 years or whatever. So I, I, I wouldn't mind it for one season. What I wouldn't mind them doing as well is maybe having the chance, like if they, if they want to move to a 14-team top division, and just see how it feels. See how everybody feels about it. Is this better than the 12-team top division with the, the split where teams have to play each other only once and then that creates a little bit of kind of, you know, fixture anomalies where teams who are supposed to be playing opponents away from home five times now have to, you know, play two of them at home and teams have to go to three grounds once and twice. Uh, sorry. Teams have to go to the same ground three times in one season that's, Maybe it is better to have fourteen, or whether you're kind of your point that you're because I know you're not too big on the fourteen because it's maybe too early to have a split if you have it just after two rounds of fixtures. Which I can that was that was that. me playing devil's advocate. That's that's that. Yeah, that's not really that much of a, an issue for me, and I, I do like the sound of fourteen top flights. So I, I personally, I don't mind if they if they just brought in for one year or brought in for one year and then maybe held another vote saying was this good? Well, I suppose you mm. could do that because you'd have to relegate three teams, but maybe. Um, Maybe like after a couple, I don't know how you would do that actually, because you can't you can't just do a full season and then say right, let's have a vote. Right, used three, used two, you're going down as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it it does. It's a bit of a cheat for, for example. But I think bunch- so you probably if you've done that, you'd probably have to have it for two seasons. Do one season, have a vote whether you like it, or do you want to bring back the old structure for the for for the following after the following season, then you play one more season, so everybody's aware of what they're actually playing for. So that that would probably have to be done, which again wouldn't be too bad. Um, personally, I do quite like the the sound of fourteen teams because of what I I kind of mentioned there. Uh, you'd, one thing that fans so uh, to me uh, it kind of appeases both problems that we have in the Scottish top flight in terms of what fans want and what the teams want. So the teams want to play so the teams and the tele companies want to play Rangers and Celtic at least three times a season the, the tele companies want four old from games a season yeah. and the teams whether bottom half or top half want three or four games against Rangers and Celtic a season because it brings in a lot of money and if you're a Hearts if you're in charge of Hearts or Hibs chances are you're getting three or probably four derbies a season that brings in a lot of money as well TV companies also uh, fairly interested in the Edinburgh derby same if Dundee and Dundee United are in the top flight, etc., etc. So you can kind of you can kind of get that because you're always going to get the four old firm games. It's going to be very unlikely that either Celtic or Rangers, because they haven't to this point since the split's been brought in, when Rangers have been in the top flight, they, none, mm. neither of them are finished in the bottom half, and that's you know very unlikely to happen. If it didn't happen with six, it's not going to happen with a, a seven, you know, seven seven split. And you get that, but you also kind of appease the fans who don't want to play Hamilton. Like, if you're a Hearts fan, you don't want to play Hamilton four times in one season. You don't want to play St Mirren four times in one season. You you want a, a little bit more variety. And I don't think Hearts fans would necessarily, like using Hearts fans as an example, I don't think Hearts fans would particularly want to be fewer derbies. I mean, they maybe take a little bit extra significance, but derbies is one of the... Derbies are the best games of the year. It's, I quite like the fact that in, on, a, on a good season for both teams, or a crap season for both teams, there are four derbies because it is, it is the best game to attend. It's the game you look forward to the most. It's the game you want to win the most. So it's not it's not a bad thing to have more of those. But you, so you can you can you can kind of with a fourteen team top flight, 
I think you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You don't necessarily yeah. have to play as much draw. If you're a, you don't have to see. You, you only have to see half the league four times, and I think that is in uh, the rest twice, and that is an improvement on four and three. Yes, definitely. So I, th- I think I got asked. Uh, I got asked to work a couple of weeks ago to, to do or last week to do, a, a piece on the different options for the, for league reconstruction, and I kind of just said, it's it's almost pointless because, if you do. There's there's talk of people like wanting sixteen or eighteen team leagues because you're only playing each uh, each other twice. Bigger leagues, uh, you're playing. There's more variety, definitely. But thing is, though, what people have to realise is that's never going to get off the ground. That's what I can express is that sixteen, eighteen. It's uh, it's kind of a idealistic view because it will never get uh, off the ground because of uh, TV coverage. If it's a sixteen team league, you're unless you're uh, going to play a lot of games, that's going to be a thirty. 30 game season yeah. and we've already heard about the gate receipts uh, aspect of uh, of Scottish football it's, it's so crucial 18 teams I just don't think there's it's I just I just think that would lower the quality of the top oh, flight oh definitely 18 teams top flight would be terrible the amount of I mean think about most seasons I know it's changing in Europe now so it might not be quite as bad but think about some seasons where like f- fourth place doesn't isn't even like an automatic fl- entry in Europe yeah I mean, so you've only got three top three places in the cup, and then you've because of like the and what? How many relegation places would you have to have to make the middle of the league entertaining? Four, probably. You you you'd have to come up with some sort of uh, playoff system that they've had in like Belgium over over the years, where if it's an eighteen team league uh, or, or sixteen, where there's just loads of different loads of different splits within yeah. the league. And if, and if you hate the if you hate the current split, then why is that any better? Yeah. And so then, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking I'm also, about a 16 team top flight is not going to happen. So like 30, like because people could say, well, they can put, um, could put ticket sales, could put ticket prices up uh, if you have uh, only 30 games as opposed to 38. And yeah, I mean, on the surface, that would be an ideal answer. Let's let's just figure out the average and, and boost all tickets for that, and so clubs wouldn't necessarily lose out. Uh, maybe put up the prices of pies as well and stuff. But that's just that's just kind of going away against what against how human nature works. Mm. Fans would much rather uh, pay for more games a season at twenty pounds a pop, for for example, than pay for less games at twenty five. Because it just seems like when you're spending that extra money, it just seems like more is coming out. Even if, over the course of the season, it will amount to the same. If you're spending fifty pounds to to go to a football game, um, well, maybe fifty pounds a bit extreme, but like say you go to a match and you are spending. So twenty five for your ticket. Say the prices you stick the prices of food programs all that up, and you're spending like thirty five quid. That just sticks out more than if it's like twenty seven, like for example. And even though you can do the maths, it's like when you, it's like when you go to the shops and you've got money, you've got money in your bank. Yeah, but you so, but you you're, you're getting a lot of stuff. Sorry, like, let me let me try and think this in my head. Yeah, so so I'm just getting my <laughs> get myself confused here. Right. So the point I'm trying to make is, say you go to the shops and you. You've got, the, you've got the cash there, but you're maybe running a little bit low on cash. You're not feeling particularly flush that month, but the money is definitely there. It's, it's not a problem, but you, you need toilet roll, and you can see a four-pack of toilet roll for like, I don't know, four-pack, two pounds or something, but then you can get like a pack of 16 for like for whatever it costs. It's much better value for money, but you don't want to spend that extra because it's mm. still more coming at your pocket in that time and most people will do that you save yourself more by getting that in the long run but it's hard to think that way 
So you can't just change it to 30 teams, put ticket prices up and think the same amount of fans will come through the gate because fans will stay away. Fuck me, I had no idea where you were going with that. But uh, <laughs> you, you, got the, you got there in the end. You got there in the end and I understood what you were saying. Yourself. But go, going back to what you were saying about just like, having, having your cake and, and eating it as well, that you always get the complaint from fans. Uh, I, I often hear the complaint from fans about playing too many teams too many teams, too, uh, playing the same teams too often. But then, as you can express, you, you, it's, it's, it's usually regarding Hamilton to Mirren, but having big games like Aberdeen, Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, uh, sorry, if, like if, if, as a Hearts fan, you've got Hibs, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, that these games come round quite uh, quite th- thick and fast. So you're more often you're playing bigger games, there's bigger crowds, there's, there's better better atmosphere. And again, I've never got the feeling, never had really had the feeling that we've, play, uh, we've played Aberdeen too much, we've had too many Adrian Derbys, we've played Rangers and Celtic too much. Yeah. These games especially, you look forward to. So I think, uh, I, I, think, I think a lot of fans maybe don't think about that. And I think if it, there was a, a bigger league where they were, just playing, they were just playing home and away, it would soon become pretty tiresome. And be, I think people would yearn. To have uh, have more uh, more of those uh, games more often, like you said, in 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 the short term, I think there would be the it would it would create an extra buzz, it would create an extra excitement around these fixtures because they're so rare. But over time, I think people would kind of return to a, a kind of desire to to play these big games three or four times a season. Yeah, like so, I, I, I've I've always said that again in my argument against like a sixteen team top flight that why I don't necessarily want it. I don't want to sacrifice two games against Hibs to get two games against. Inverness. Yeah. So did you, did you see the Livingston? You seen the Livingston proposal? Uh, yes. Yeah. So that was that was a proposal. So they wanted a, a a league. So four four leagues, a fourteen, ten, ten, ten. So basically, just adding Kelty and Kelty and Broader Rangers, a bumping like so, so uh, keeping no relegation, bumping everyone up, and they wanted. So basically, it was just it was straightforward leagues where two up, two down, and they got rid of the playoffs except from the playoff, uh, except from a possible playoff between third bottom in the Premiership and third in the Championship. I think, I think largely, there's a, there's a lot of, I agree with. I agree with the the six eight split in the top flight. I think that would be better than a seven seven split because it it gives. Like they've said, you'll have less games in the in the top six, but these are teams who might be in Europe, who might be further in the cup. So they are likely to have uh, Rangers and Celtic, especially fixture kind of congestion, as we've seen this season. And then the bottom eight, they get an extra, I think they get an extra couple of games to kind of make up that uh, maybe money lost to the... Uh, uh, to not uh, hosting the old farm. I, I, like pot- I think I think a potential problem with that split is that it's uh, the aesthetics aren't great and it's a kind of tougher sell for fans who don't already don't like the fact that a split means that teams in the bottom half can finish with more points than teams in the top half. If you then have teams in the bottom half playing more games, I can see people rebelling against that as well. I'm not entirely in favour of that. I'm not against it either. I don't have a really strong opinion on it either way, but I know that a lot of supporters will grumble about that. Yeah, that's the thing. The the aesthetic, yeah, they, they they don't look great. I don't know if there's something I've always thought about a way to. I'm still not really a big fan of this either because uh, just the way it looks. But 
kind of reset not not quite almost reset not resetting points but getting it to the point where um I was going to say that like points difference they would they would just they would just start with the points difference uh, at the start of the season so if, uh, at the start of this this split but even then that looks that looks daft so someone someone's like starting on eighteen points. Someone else is uh, st- like it's almost like the glad- uh, gladiators where you go my first whistle, you go my second whistle, you go my third whistle, you go my fourth whistle. So again, that that doesn't look great. But it's it's one of those where it's just a quirk. I'm I've never really been bothered about a, a team finishing seven on forty seven points and the team six on forty two points because you go into the season and you know that's a possibility. You know that, that this is a league that's splitting in two, so you just take them as kind of two separate. Uh, as separate uh, separate divisions. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like. Of, sorry. Like to just saying that I, I like the, the the fact that they would like to see uh the winner of the the Highland League and the winner of the Lonely automatically come up. So again, it opens up opens yeah. up the pyramid. Uh, it allows for a bit more um a, a kind of fluidity between all all those division divisions because at the moment I think what the League Two clubs have found out, or clubs in danger of relegation, is that when you get relegated from League Two, it's very hard to come back up. So it does make it slightly easier of a prospect. Of if you do get get, get relegated, there's a chance you can get back up. Yeah, yeah, I think that de- certainly makes sense. I think the biggest thing about the proposal that I didn't like was get rid of the playoffs in the lower leagues. Yes. I, don't know, I don't know how anybody could look at the current structure and say, "Well, we'll get rid of that." That's that's a problem. But what's what's the beef for the, that? The, 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 there's I seen I seen one. I've seen one person. Uh, I think it was only the, only the lonely uh, podcast. They got. Um, I think they tweeted uh, Craig Anderson. He was talking about the getting rid of the, the playoffs, and they made the point that it's, it does seem like there's it's like there's too much, and and so for for ten teams, I think only four won't have like anything that won't be in a position or have anything to to play for. I, I can kind of understand that point, but. When it comes to the business end of the season, you want to be involved in. Well, it's, uh, you want to be involved in something. You want yeah. you want games that matter. And the playoffs, the introduction of the playoffs in the lower leagues have been fantastic. I can see. I'm saying this as a fan of someone who is not in the uh, the leagues. Probably going to soon be in the lower leagues, but I think almost to, to, to yeah. see to see those um, to see those games. I think that adds a lot more excitement. There's a lot more meaningful games in the uh, in the lower leagues. And speaking of Sean and Craig Telfer, they they absolutely love it. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I, don't, I still don't get that as a thing. Like, so there's not there's not there's only so many teams with you know nothing to play for. Good. <laughs> this is what we want. It's sport. It's all about competition. You would you don't want games at the end of the season when there's nothing to play for. That's that's the worst. Like. I can't remember if we talked about this on the, the TV show or I should have mentioned this before, but if if the season was able to be played to its conclusion, Hearts would have got huge crowds for St Mirren coming to Tynecastle post bottoms like post split. Much more. already already getting big uh, decent decent crowds for being uh, as, as shit as they have been yeah. just because they've uh, the fans know they're in dangers. Yeah, you see it all the time where fans who wouldn't necessarily go to a game will come out because it's a big match. And even though it's a big match you don't necessarily want being at the bottom of the table, it's still it's still a match that gets you going. It's still something that, that stirs something inside you and, you know, reminds you of your attachment to this club and that you don't want to see them get relegated. And then you feel much better if you go along and, and lend your support and 
you know, hope that you see a memorable day, uh, even if it's not in the, the best of circumstances. So I just, you know, I don't, I don't really get any argument that we want more games that don't matter. I can, I just, I can, I can get the argument in the, the top flight that they say it's actually maybe better for the national team to have some more games that don't matter because it allows clubs to play more youngsters because they're going to have more games where managers can and chuck some younger players in and see if they're any good, take more gambles with, with stuff like that. But even then, I'm not entirely sold if that's necessarily going to make Scotland you know, eh, much better and have Hamden rocking once again, eh, considering how rubbish they've, they've been in the, for the past you know, 22 years. But in the lower leagues, there's not, that's, that's not going to really make much of a difference. And nobody's coming through, no offence, but nobody's coming through it like... Trahanku was like seventh in League One <laughs> when we stopped like, uh, East Fife or something. If they're, if they're playing less meaningful games, is that really going to make everything a lot better? Is it going to bore East Fife fans? Yeah, I mean, they, to, to lower leagues, if they've got if they've got young players they're, uh, who are who are decent, they're going to give them the game time yeah. because it's a necessity to allow them to uh, build them up and potentially sell them on. I think just looking back at the point, uh, point was uh, it was mentioned that uh, Brecon City who. Got got in for, uh, got into the championship and having finished having finished fourth, I think they finished fourth in <clears throat> in League One and managed to get into the championship and basically were just were just a disaster. Yeah, but again, this is that's just again just the the quirks of it, the the, the magic of the playoffs, as uh, they used to say down down in England. Uh, but I agree because I I remember going to Cowding Beef games when the the playoffs were just uh, were first. Um, were first inserted in the leagues, and like the midweek games, there was just just everything just felt uh, felt better. There was a, there was a, a better buzz to it. There was there was just there was there was more excitement, and I think I think that's the one thing. Like I said, one thing you want more in, in football is excitement and entertainment. And the the small leagues, okay, they you, you're going to have you're going to play the same teams a lot. That's just uh, just just the nature. It's been like that for 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 many years. But it, it's it's allowed it allows teams to build up rivalry, uh, rivalries. So for example, Cowden Beef and Berwick Rangers. Well, no reason to be rivals. But I remember for a, for a good few years, they, they they there was a bit of animosity between them. So there's uh, there, there's pros and cons cons to that. But I think looking at it, if you are going to make changes to the league, I think Livingston have got are, are certainly onto something. But I would. Rather than go for their two up, two down, if they just kept the playoffs the same way, I'd be, I'd generally be very much for, uh, for that league reconstruction, and not just because it keeps Hearts, <laughs> Hearts in the Premiership. <laughs> I'm not even that fussed. If Hearts go down, as long as finances aren't going to be absolutely horrendous, and it's really getting to, you know, possible administration time again, or you know, years and years of debt, which I don't think is going to happen. But I, I fuck it. If, if Hearts have to play in the championship for a season, hopefully one season, uh, then yeah, whatever. I, I think um, the club almost maybe needs that that reset button. Uh, it's just whatever happened, the, the malaise that nobody seems to be able to haul them out of, regardless of how many decent players they sign, regardless of the fact of bringing a manager who you know, comes with a pretty good reputation and should be doing a lot better than he is in terms of overall results. And there's also, there's, there is even flickers that he does know what he's doing, but just for whatever reason, Hearts just continue being this tailspin that's basically been in ever since uh, 
Anne Budge uh, went up to uh, a short Weasley man and said, hello, Mr. Cathro, thank you for coming. <laughs> no, I, I disagree. I, I really, I, I can I mentioned it earlier on that I would just, I just really want uh, a line to be drawn under it all. But I really want that line to be drawn under it where hearts are still, still because <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have to. Uh, you want that line hearts. to be drawn under Inverness, basically. Basically, yeah. But and then, and then under the line to say Scottish Championship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I, I, I don't want to watch hearts in the Championship. Uh, I, I, I just don't want that. Come on, Joe. Fun away days. Fun away days. Come on, let's get the train. Let's get a few babies. Our broth, here we come. <laughs> I think again that it'll be people really like the first the the last time in the championship really people really enjoyed that because I think it was the uh, the novelty factor. Again, well, there was that. There was also the fact that it was a league worth winning. Then you had Hibs and Rangers yeah. in the league, so it kind of felt like a mini Premiership. Felt like a Premiership on tour, and we were the best team, and that made it more fun. I think if it's just dross again with as much respect to those clubs as possible I think if it's just clubs that hearts are expected to beat all the time I don't think it will be as much fun for the fans if, so this is where I kind of caveat with if, if I'm if I'm working if I'm working I want it to be hearts in the premiership if I'm just shown as a fan then I'm not so I'm not so much bothered because again there's some cracking there's some cracking away days in the, in the championship that I can I can certainly get on board with but there's, there's two, two strands that I just just don't want to have to suffer relegation the uh, so yeah, the, the the fourteen, ten, ten, and ten seems like the most the most practical and sensible option. What do you? But do you think it'll get the support? No. <laughs> There's my short and long answer. No, <laughs> definitely not. Hearts are going down. Yeah, I was. I thought I, I thought that would be after Dundee's. Um, Claiming they were they were doing it for the better better good when they withdrew their uh, withdrew their vote that they really wanted to try and push through league reconstruction. I thought then there might have been uh, a, a kind of desire to see that, but one thing I think Dan- that could did not have, you know reconstruction would have been on the table anyway. In fact, maybe even more so because it would have been a more pressing need to come up with an answer. The way the way that Dundee meant the way that it was talked about was that I kind of if they passed the resolution passed then they would have discussed league reconstruction but it would be very much a kind of afterthought. Right. But anyways, Daniel Stendel's comments this morning when he spoke to Barry Anderson of the News that he had speaking he had, uh, spoke to Budge and he got the feeling that uh, it was her against uh, everybody else. She's not helped us. <laughs> She's not helped herself with, uh, with with comments both in the past and uh, most recently on on Friday when I think she was on Five Live and uh, came out with some stuff that I just uh, just had to shake my head at. But I was I was told that Anne Budge had full confidence that everybody was going to vote through league reconstruction. She's delusional. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, teams teams aren't going to Mirren... So Mirren Hamilton, well, it's weird that Hamilton are, are kind of on the, the board of this, but I would have thought that like, the likes of St Mirren, Hamilton, even teams like St Johnson, Killy, uh, teams that could easily have a, a poor season and end up one of the three uh, weakest teams in the top flight, they, they, are, they are not, they're going to be wary of the fact that that could happen, that there are going to be more relegation spots in the Premiership coming next season without the safety net of playoffs. You would think so. If it's a 14-team top flight, you would think there would be more relegation spots. And also, it means uh, a smaller cut for everybody, including the 
including the old firm, I think, as well, for the Sky Sports money. So I just don't see, like Bud saying, there's a clamour for, reconst- uh, for reconstruction. Is there? I don't, I don't really remember this before all this started. I think I think no. it's been talked about quite a lot in the past, but I think it kind of calmed down. I think a lot of people have kind of gotten used to the idea of a a twelve team top flight, and the clubs never really wanted like the, the dissident for the fans has kind of grown. It's kind of um, lessened itself over the years, and even in the past, when fans were kind of adamant that they definitely wanted a a different setup to the top flight, you know, clubs were quite reticent to do it. They obviously came up with that idea a couple of seasons ago. It was fucking barmy with the you know the eight the three divisions of eight. But yeah, that was that was that was. I would I would have loved that when we talked about earlier on about a temporary fix. I'd have just loved that for a season, <laughs> just to see how that, just to see how that went down. So yeah, I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's much motivation amongst other clubs to to push ahead with reconstruction, just to save basically just to save hearts. Yeah, it's there's there there doesn't seem to be such a, a strong feeling. Bud mentioned it that there was there, there has been talks prior to the the coronavirus pandemic that they they wanted to to, to look at the like reconstruction, but I, I, but the way the way the way it was talked about was if it was going to be kind of major reconstruction rather than simply just uh, adding two teams to mm-hmm. uh, adding two teams to the league. Where when you actually look at it, it, it could be quite quite minor uh, minor reconstruction. The um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I think. Uh, I, I, I think this will unfortunately play on for another couple of weeks. Forever. These state statements, no doubt, statements galore. But it's one of those things where it probably doesn't have to be. While while the premiership, the current premiership season, is still undecided, that will kind of be in the in the background so they'll have that time so there will be less pressure for a decision to be made anytime soon while the premiership season is still undecided yeah right I think uh, judging by my uh, inability to just say words there I think that's uh, that that will do us for this evening especially because I am wanting to get my tea so thank you very much Craig thank you very much Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I believe this is the main show, so please do check out Patreon where there's stuff going up every day. Every day, Craig? Uh, not stuff going up every day. We're recording every day. I'm going to try okay. and get us a... Uh, we're still filling our... We missed our quota last week, but I'll push out an extra um, $5 pod uh, this week. So it's it's two pods that are on the $2 and three that are on the $5. So if you're, if you're paying the, the full amount, it's 5 extra shows overall and usually the shows we aim for in you know normal time are only about you know 20 minutes or so mm. but a lot of these ones are a lot longer because yeah. we have more time uh, and it's it's easier enough to do so if you want to go and check out that content we've got page it's uh, patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast remind us what's been going up so uh, we've had uh, we've had classic games we've had look back at uh, signings from the 2007 summer windows we've had best signings and i think we worst signings will be going up soon worst signings will be going up uh, hopefully uh, by the end of this week i still need to edit it but that shouldn't be too much of a problem we've also one of the last things uh, there's two pods that have gone up recently that are the last ones we've got from when people were allowed in the same room as each other so, ah yes yeah craig anderson and graham thulis completed their list of the 
90, I think it was 99 players in total who had made at least two caps for Scotland in the 2010s, and they ranked them all on preference. A massive undertaking, and we finally, on Monday, released uh, 10 to 1. So you could find out who, nice. the, who, the, who the best of the best was for Scotland. Not that that's any good. Uh, we also had the other one I was talking about with guys in the same room was I led a discussion with uh, Spara, uh, Andy from the MFC podcast, and Graham Thulis are ranking all the Motherwell signings under Terry Butcher. That's part two of that has gone up. And we've also got Alistair Heather leading the discussion about Dundee United season. Uh, Sean Telford and uh, Sean Telford, <laughs> Sean McGregor and uh, Craig Telford doing the top 12 goalkeepers in the lower leagues. We've recorded the fullbacks version of that, and that will be going up, I think, next week, where Sean is joined by Danny Denham uh, to give his insight into playing against a lot of the guys that he's picking against. And when I say playing against, I mean, you know, literally because he, he plays as a winger, so he's going up against these guys. So he, he'll have a, a good inside or uh, knowledge on just how good they are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Grant, so that, yeah, they have uh, heard from Sean that they both enjoy doing that. So I'm looking forward to listening to, to that. And you should too. So head, head across to patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Before we head out, I just thought I'd give um, a shout out to two of uh, Terrace Podcast friends. You've got the MFC podcast. They've been, uh, Andy's been doing, I think he's going for 14 straight podcasts or maybe 16 straight podcasts. It's 14, 14 days. 14 days. Uh, I've been on one. Uh, Fowler, you, were you on yes. one or were you, meant, you were Andy on and one? I just, Andy and I discussed uh, players that played for both Hearts and Motherwell. There's a lot of drops ah, in there. Nice. Uh, I think he's got an interview with uh, Tony Watt, uh, John Sutton, Keith Lasley as well. He's raising money for SAMH. I can't remember what the A stands for. Scotland. Um, oh, oh, dear. Scottish, uh, Scottish Awareness Mental Health, I think it is. So yeah. S-A-M-H, uh, you'll you recognise the, the brand. And also Nutmeg. Samha. Samha. And uh, Nutmeg Magazine, they have launched uh, their own Patreon. So check, the, uh, check them out, keep checking us out, and have a good weekend. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.